What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we're kicking it old school with just myself and Tyler because Jacob unfortunately couldn't make it this week. But we have a very special guest joining the program. Coach Scott Fields will be joining the TSK Show tonight. He is a champion head coach and consultant at the NBA, collegiate, and international levels. And he is also the host of his own show, The Coach Scott Fields Show. We'll discuss his journey through basketball and get his thoughts on everything going on in the NBA bubble down in Orlando. All this and more on episode 153 of the Sports Kingdom Show coming up right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 153 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. What's up, Tyler? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's nice to have some sports back, uh, you know, kind of making it a little more normal, and uh, I'm excited for tonight's episode. Yeah, man, I'm excited, too. We uh, we got a, a special guest joining us, but before we introduce our very special guest, we have to remind you about probably the best coffee ever. This episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by our friends at Campus Point Coffee, Campus Point Coffee was founded in 2019 by former UC Santa Barbara students, but due to COVID-19, they had to close their shop and go strictly online. TSK Show listeners will get 15% off their purchase from Campus Point Coffee just by going to campuspointcoffee.com and entering the promo code TSK Show. That's promo code TSK Show for 15% off from campuspointcoffee.com. Campus Point Coffee has a variety of different roasts to choose from. And even if coffee isn't your thing, they have plenty of other merch like mugs, tumblers, T-shirts, and even a tote bag on CampusPointCoffee.com. My dad already told me that he is starting to run low on his first batch of Campus Point Coffee and that it's time to get another batch of the medium roast. Yeah, man, me too. The Loop Espresso has been perfect for uh, my morning Americanos. And uh, I also got some swag for the cabinets now because I picked up one of their mugs, uh, probably the best mug I got. So you can support us while supporting a company that makes probably the best coffee ever in addition to helping save the beaches. Campus Point Coffee takes a portion of their profits and organizes their own beach cleanups. So if you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSKSHOW at checkout for 15% off your purchase from CampusPointCoffee.com. That's promo code TSKSHOW for 15% off your purchase at CampusPointCoffee.com. You're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Kobe Bryant just took the 
take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Joining us on the phone for episode 153 of the Sports Kingdom show, we have a very special guest. Like I said in the intro, he is a championship winning head coach and consultant at the co- at the collegiate, NBA, and international levels, but he is also a member of the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame. He has won nearly 80% of the games he has coached. He's worked with Hall of Fame head coach of the Utah Jazz, the late, great Jerry Sloan. He has spent time coaching at the professional level in countries like Italy, Lebanon, Qatar, multiple other countries in the Middle East and Asia, and he is also the host of the Coach Scott Fields show. Coach Scott Fields, Coach, thank you so much for jumping on the Sports Kingdom show tonight. Welcome. I'm honored and humbled to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's have some fun and let's talk some hoops. All right, we are ready to do that. So, like I said, we all know the the history of basketball in Indiana and who's your country. What is it like growing up in a basketball state and then ultimately getting inducted to the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame? Uh, You know what? Uh, Growing up in the basketball-rich state of Indiana uh, obviously set me on a path and a journey that I could have never foreseen for myself. Uh, I I grew up in Indiana when there was no classification. So if you ever saw the movie Hoosiers where, you know, it was the small little country school against the big, big city schools. That's what I grew up in. And it, uh, it was wonderful because it helped prepare me for life. Uh, you know, there's no classifications, uh, when you're applying for a job, there's no classifications when you're trying to meet a girl, uh, you got to sell yourself, you got to represent yourself, and you got to put your best foot forward and always compete and be ready. And so I think growing up in that environment and being, I hate to say, treated like a god at an early age, but basketball is so big in Indiana that if you had any type of skills, um, you know, it's just a different environment to grow up in. And the fact that I earned 13 varsity letters in high school, uh, that allowed me to be on the Hall of Fame at my high school. And, uh, yeah, so then, then I got right into coaching and uh, have, have been very successful, as you mentioned. Uh, and they're, you know, 780 win percentage in 15 years as a head coach overseas with multiple championships. Uh, working and consulting with, you know, Hall of Fame coach Jerry Sloan was truly a clinic every day. And then, uh, you know, to sit there and, and work with Steph Curry as a rookie with the Golden State Warriors um, was something phenomenal as well. So to say that I am a blessed man would be an understatement. And I'd just be remiss to thank all the people who helped me along my journey. Um, and I think that's why our our show is so unique because we talk from a coach's lens and perspective and we share insights and, and it's kind of like you know we just empower others on their journeys and hopefully we inspire people with our journeys and the tools that we've taken and life lessons that we share on our show then I think that's how organically we've grown and, and, and have had success with it so I'm, I'm completely humbled by that as well but to be here with you guys tonight a lot of fun and thanks for having me of course we're, we're happy to have you here Hey, Coach, this is Tyler. Um, I'm actually glad you brought up the, the Jerry Sloan thing because I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what's one thing you took from Jerry Sloan that you think will just always stick with you 
Uh, I'm a huge Jerry Sloan fan. Uh, I grew up in the Seattle area in the late 90s. And, uh, the, you know, the Jazz and the Sonics were some of, like, the biggest basketball games of my childhood. So I was always a huge fan. And uh, I wonder if there was any little golden nuggets you took from, from Jerry. You know, being around a Hall of Fame coach every day for two seasons and seeing his honesty – seeing his transparency, seeing the way that he held the players accountable on a daily basis was very refreshing. Uh, We're talking about a guy who was, you know, one of the original bulls, um, you know, number four and may God rest his, uh, you know, may God rest his soul in peace. Uh, We lost him a few months ago, but uh, you know, he was so kind and gracious to me to pick up the phone and offer me an opportunity to come in and learn from he and his staff. But you know, he, he was old school and that, that, Midwest mentality, just like I had growing up on a farm with, with work ethic, you know, he just, he expected you to tuck in your shirt, pull up your socks. And he didn't care if you were the, uh, you know, most expensive player on the roster or number 15 man on the roster or an injured reserve player. He expected you to show up on time and uh, put your nose to the grindstone and work and work hard. So it was refreshing. It also reinforced a lot of my philosophies and uh, just, just, just phenomenal man. I, I can't thank him enough for allowing me to be around because at that time, that was the last couple seasons of his career. And to think that he did it for 23 years with the Utah Jazz, uh, 1,223 wins. And the fact that he never won, never won coach of the year, which amazes me because it's almost like we took his consistency and his greatness for granted. So, uh, you know, I I hope that the Miller family who own the Utah Jazz, I hope that they erect a statue outside of Vivint Smart Home Arena because he truly was the face of the franchise here. So for him to have an enshrinement with Carl Malone and John Stockton, I think it'd be well-deserving. And I I would be very surprised that the Miller family didn't do that. But you mentioned Seattle and another one of my good friends, uh, Coach Nate McMillan, who's doing an amazing job with the Indiana Pacers. Just got an extension yesterday. That's exactly right. So I am pumped for my friend, Nate. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, that, just a life funny. lesson uh, that, that Coach Sloan. My, uh, my first basketball jersey I ever got was from my grandmother. Uh, it was a Sean Kemp jersey. And the jersey I had actually asked for was Nate McMillan because he was kind of uh, what my mother would call, like, my first favorite Sonic. Uh, Nate's a oh, great I dude. I love it. Huge. Huge, well, you huge can't. McMillan fan, so super, super Tyler, happy. You can't go wrong with, with, with the Rain Man because he's an Indiana boy just like I was. But Nate McMillan nah, nah. is one of my better better friends in the industry. So uh, good on you, and I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad you got to rep. That, that's, that's good stuff yeah. right there, T. Uh, yes, sir. Coach, you said uh, you mentioned another Hall of Fame talent, uh, Steph Curry. You got to spend a few summers with Golden State during the early part of Steph's career. What were your early impressions of Steph as a young player? You know what? Very humble, very coachable. Um, he, he had a thirst for knowledge. And the fact that I came in as a, an assistant in the summertime with a, one of my best friends in the industry, Coach Keith Smart, again, being an Indiana guy, he is you know, known through the college ranks of hitting the jump shot to beat Syracuse to win the national championship in 1983. He and I are best friends. I finished coaching in Venezuela and he was like, Scott, he goes, I'm head coach in the summer league team. Why don't you come in and, uh, you know, work with me and my staff. And I was like, 
Smarty, my man, I'm there with you, brother. And then, of course, <laughs> they draft they draft Steph Curry out of Davidson. And of course, you know there was a you know after they drafted him, there was some cynicism. There was you know some negativity. Well, he's not really a true point guard. He doesn't have the great handles. Uh, he's too small to guard. You know the two position. Uh, he's undersized. But what I took from Steph was is that he was laser-like focused, which I can appreciate because all greats are. He has a tremendous work ethic, as all the greats do, and he blocked out the white noise, and he stayed callous to that, and he focused on him and his skill sets, and he's like, okay, he was going to transform the game with that quick release and with muscle memory and with his skill set as a shooter, but he was so selfless that it was about we and not me, as some players are, and he gave up bigger contracts so that he could surround himself with the right talent and took a step back and allowed Clay to get his shine on. He allowed Draymond to do the versatility things that he does, brings in a Kevin Durant that, you know, basically who they beat uh, in the Western Conference Finals to get to the, you know, get to the championship and, and play. So, you know what, he's just so selfless, and he had – he had a great mindset, and, you know, the things – I got to work with him twice. So I was with him as a rookie uh, in the summer league, and then I coached him again at an NBA charity fundraiser in Salt Lake City where I now reside, and it was a fundraiser for people with disabilities. And, fellas, let me tell you something. The great thing about Steph Curry, there was over 7,000 people at the game that night as a charitable fundraiser, wow. and he stayed on the floor floor before and after and made sure that he posed with anybody who wanted a picture with him and he signed every autograph every tennis shoe every basketball every jersey that he could and did not leave until everybody had what they wanted and to be that selfless and to see what he's done and help transform the game you gotta love and respect a come a kind servant heart like what he has that's awesome that's 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 what it's all about amen brother yeah, amen that says a lot about him. I mean, I went to a couple of Pro Bowls in the early 2000s, and there were a couple of players after every practice that would stay and they would walk the entire arena and sign autographs. Um, the late great Junior Seau is the one that sticks out to my mind, and uh, yes, that's just such an awesome thing for a pro athlete to do, you know, because it's such a huge moment for all those people. You know, I obviously still remember it. Uh, when you're talking about Steph and, you know, being coachable and a hard worker and, you know, put, you know, taking the white noise and putting it out, uh, how much do you, how much of that do you think is from, you know, being a pro son? You know, I think a lot of that comes from that support system. I mean, he was around his dad. He saw his dad. He saw what his dad had to endure through uh, and basically grew up in the league. And then of course his mom being a great support system as well. Um, th those yeah. are all valuable life lessons, but they're also core values and beliefs that were instilled in him that he carried over as an individual that has that integrity uh, about his um, values. So uh, I, I think it's something that should be uh, talked about more, discussed more, and it's just a great role model for young kids out there looking to aspire to be like certain people because there's some characters out there that don't have the morals or values or integrity of a Steph Curry, and, and he has it. So why not learn from a, a person like that? Because if you want to be successful, learn and study from those who are successful, and it's going to help you on your career path no matter what you know, what life journey you choose to be on in your life. Stick to the grindstone, persevere, take your lumps, and you know what? Keep working, keep persevering, and, and 
know and don't ever lower the value of yourself because someone else may not share the same vision that you have. Absolutely. I, I, I could agree more. Um, last thing on Steph, I was just wondering, uh, since you were there kind of in the beginning, and then you said, you know, you kind of re, retouched with him later on in his career. How much do you think Golden State as an organization and just kind of the, uh, you know, the timing of everything played a role in his success? I mean, you know, you talk about him being, you know, his work ethic and being, you know, this great person on and off the court. You know, was it, would his success been the same anywhere else, or was Golden State kind of like a perfect storm uh, of timing for, you know, the incredible success that they had? I think that's a great question. I, I think um, there's a couple ways that you can look at that. I think in a microwave society like we have today where people just want to win now and win last week, uh, they were patient with him. If you remember, he had injuries with the ankle early in his career. But I also think they saw the value in him and that they could build a franchise around him and set a culture around him because he is so selfless. When I say, you know, he had that we mentality instead of me mentality, um, it's hard to, you know, build a franchise around somebody who is very selfish, where it's always all this entitlement and they want more and they demand more and they need more. Steph was never that way. And I think it worked out well for them that they could build and grow around him. Uh, You know, my, my friend Keith Smart. Uh, took the job after Don Nelson was the coach there. And then, of course, new ownership came in. And then when new ownership came in, they brought in Mark Jackson. And then, of course, Mark Jackson took it to another level. So it was always a work in progress. But I know they liked what they saw because look at the pieces that they draft in the future years to be around that face of the franchise, which was a Clay Thompson, which was a Draymond Green. Uh, you know, those weren't free agent acquisitions. Those were draft choices. So to be, you know, second round draft picks, to find the right chemistry, to, to put the right skill sets around him, they did a great job. And you know what? You know, yeah, they had the injuries this year with his wrist. And, of course, Clay, you know, uh, you know, blowing out the knee last year in the finals against the Raptors against a great friend of mine who I coached against uh, in the European leagues uh, and Nick Nurse, who I don't think gets enough credit for the job that he's done this year. But uh, you know what? Uh, they're going to be good next year. I mean, they're going to have a top five pick. Uh, if they get, you know, get the number one pick, and then you got Wiggins and you got that core that's already there. You know what? They're already going to be playoff bound as soon as they knock that rust off and uh, and get the yeah. rhythm back with that space and pace style of play. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Totally, Coach. I wanted to transition now to your time internationally. I want I want you to talk about your time coaching in Lebanon. Obviously, they're going through a rough time right now, and I don't want to get too political, but what was your time coaching in Lebanon like and really just internationally? What was that experience like? You know what? It's very interesting that you asked that because my heart goes out to that country because they had political strife then when I was there just like oh, they I'm are sure. now. I'm, I'm uh, half Israeli, and, so I, I, I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, – Honestly, it's it's the pearl of the Middle East. It's right there on the Mediterranean Sea and one of my favorite countries to coach in. Um, my first job there, um, and I'll kind of set the table for what it was like being in that country. They were in the top 16 in the world, which is great for their local players. Um, they, they're, they're very good local players. And then when you sprinkle in a couple NBA players and, you know, an NBA kind of level coach with an NBA mindset – 
you've got a quality product on the floor. I actually replaced a Serbian coach midway through the season because the team that I took over wasn't meeting expectations, and they were like in seventh place in the league. Um, the team that I coached, um, they were Muslim-based. The team that was the seven-year reigning champions were Christian-based. The president of the country coached or actually um, backed and supported financially their Christian-based team. The prime minister of the country uh, backed and supported the Muslim-based team. So now you had sports, uh, you know, politics, and religion mixed all in one concoction. So uh, it was phenomenal, and we took that team over, and we won the championship. And I remember playing on a neutral court because such a huge fight broke out in game five of the series um, that we had to play on a neutral court. Um, And, of course, you know, the the court was lined with guys in green berets, which was the Army, carrying their Uzis. And I'm like, you know what? This is like Indiana basketball where they're so passionate about it. It's the number one sport in the country because usually most, you know, European nations love their soccer. So for me to, you know, coach in that environment, it felt like Indiana to me, but it was more like a Cameron indoor stadium where it was first come first serve over 7,000 fans in the stadium singing, chanting, jumping, a wave going on the entire game. But, for those who couldn't make it into the Coliseum, there were 4,000 people sitting outside the Coliseum waiting for you to come out. And after we won the championship, I kid you not, gentlemen, those fans, because we stayed at the Radisson is where they put us up for the finals. For four hours, they passed us around from shoulder to shoulder like a beach ball <laughs> uh, after we won the championship. And it was something that I will never forget the rest of my life. And we even won an Asian championship in Saudi Arabia where it was the first time that we had success outside the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I got to meet the King Abdul Aziz. I got to meet Prince Fawad, who was the the big guy in in the interior of sports uh, ministry. And then he was also big into horse racing where he had his horses racing the Kentucky Derby, but going to meet the King and, and the Prince Fawad and, you know, living in a compound right across from Osama bin Laden's family, fellas, I could write a book. And, uh, you should. It, it, you it was, should. It, it, it's it's a good little tell-all, but I've I've been so blessed with so many uh, cultural experiences, different religions, different uh, types of government. Uh, coaching in China, you know, being in a communist uh, country where you know basically I don't want to say they stole from me, but they recorded everything, and I had to document every minute of every day because my my you know my money came from the government. So to have success and win championships in countries like that. Um, it's something that's very uh, fulfilling to me. It's very gratifying, but it's the fact that we took players where they were at and we developed those players, instilled confidence, built a culture, and yet helped them with longevity in their career and also helped them not only win championships, but also don the jersey that represented their country to allow them to play in the Olympics and world championships to represent their country. It's something that's so gratifying and you can't put a price tag on. So, uh, I had a question that I kind of like to ask people to get, you know, any sort of exposure to basketball outside of American culture is, you know, Americans are obsessed with this championship or nothing mentality uh, as far as legacy goes. Um, is that kind of the same mentality? You know, you do say, you know, the fans obviously are, are super passionate, but is it a, is it a, do you got a ring or I'm not messing with you? Or is it a little different where, 
it's not quite as important as it is in America. Oh, now they are fanatical fans. They support their team, and they they are diehard fans. But I, I do think they are a little more lenient when it comes to uh, reality. Uh, they don't have a sense of entitlement. And again, I think that's more of, of a of, of a microwave society that we have here uh, in the states because it's all about money and it's all about the next endorsement. It's all about the next contract. It's all about you know. You know, what can you do for, you know, Janet Jackson, you know, what have you done for me lately? So, uh, you know, it's, there's just a different mindset in Europe. And that was something that kind of appealed to me coaching over overseas, because these, these players were not entitled. They had a thirst for knowledge. And when you came over with that knowledge and you shared with them how to help them grow and develop, uh, I mean, their work ethics were phenomenal. The NBA game, very athletic, played above the rim, the European game, a more skilled game because they do a better job at the grassroots level going through the club systems where they have ball mastery. They're, they're great ball handlers. They're great fundamental shooters. They're very cerebral when it comes to team basketball, and it's more of a team concept. And where in the NBA it's more one-on-one or two-man game and ISOs and finding the, uh, you know, finding the weakness and exploiting that weakness. So the teams in the NBA who have kind of adapted and, and infuse uh, European players or overseas players Players and overseas coaches, those are the franchises that you're seeing with, with, with success. You look at Mike D'Antoni uh, played and coached overseas, had success with Phoenix, and still playing small ball with the Houston Rockets now. You look at Nick Nurse, who you know should be coach of the year, uh, you know coached overseas. You, you look at um, some great coaches that are on staffs and players who have come from overseas, like say the San Antonio Spurs, who had Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Boris Diaw. Uh, Tony Parker, and if you noticed, they took those European mentalities, let them play as a team with great ball movement and great selfless play, where you see the extra pass, like how the Golden State Warriors have played the last few years before injuries. Those teams that play with a team concept, it's still a team game, and if they can adopt that and and buy into that system and have team rotations on defense – you you've got a you've got a cocktail for success right there, and that's what I try to do overseas. And the best coaches are the best teachers. And if you can teach and develop and identify roles and responsibilities and hold those guys accountable and challenge them, man, you're about to have a lot of fun, and it's going to get sexy. <laughs> going to score a lot of points that way. Hey man, it's a it's an entertaining style to play. The players enjoy it. The crowd loves it. And I'll tell you what. Um, I'm kind of like a shock of smart where I was chest bumping players and full of energy and doing push-ups and just interacting with the guys, letting them know that I was there for them and battling for them. And uh, that's, that's kind of my philosophy when I was coaching overseas. So just blessed to have had the success that we've had. Is the, is the biggest difference between coaching in the NBA versus coaching internationally, just like the, the style of play with internationally being a lot more finesse and fundamental and all of that? Um that that's part of it but i also too think that so much time is being spent in the nba uh, because so many players are going to the nba who are not mentally and physically prepared 
for an 82-game season. There's still a lot of growth and development. So the NBA, even though it's a, the best league in the world, it gets a little bit saturated with talent that's not quite prepared. So it dilutes the product, and you don't have as many strong teams as what you have overseas. Overseas, you have multiple strong teams that are competitive throughout the entire league and throughout the entire EuroLeague, where here in the United States, you have the high flyers and these super teams who are getting formed with three or four superstars, where there's three or four very competitive teams, and then everybody else are cellar dwellers. Totally. Yeah, and so uh, last question before I move on. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, what, what do you think is, you know, one of your, your all-time favorite memories as a coach? You know what? I've, I've got so many of them. It's a great question. That's like asking a parent, you know, which, which is your favorite child. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's hard yeah. to pinpoint because when you've had a long career as long as I have and have dabbled into the NBA a little bit and was given opportunities and have had success, there's so many wonderful memories of championships or big winning games or big bonuses that have won. But you know what? It's amazing to me as a coach. I remember those very close losses more than I do the big championships yeah, because the, the, the success is the byproduct of the hard work and the culture and everybody buying in. But it's the ones that were just right there that just slipped through your, through your fingers or you got beat on a last-second shot that then as a coach, when you're playing chess among people who are playing checkers, it's like, could I have done – an adjustment somewhere along the line to have, have empowered my team. Could I have done a better adjustment somewhere or could we have done, you know, done a specific rotation or tried to get someone more uncomfortable quicker? So I beat myself up for that because I'm such a perfectionist in a game that cannot be perfected, but you, you try to strive for perfection as a coach and as a leader, because as a leader, you want to inflict your will and, and infuse that energy and passion and purpose onto your players. And if they follow your lead, if they follow your culture, because culture is a word that is thrown around so much right now where it's so cliche. It's more than just a, a sign that you, you know, slap outside before you go out the tunnel. It's, it's something that you have to live by. You, you, you follow up with actions on your daily actions and, and through your daily focus, then that's, that's where your culture is at. So if a coach is able to infuse that in his team, that's something special. But I, I truly can tell you that the, the games that we just barely lost or an important game uh, in a hostile environment that, you know, that, that you could have won and that would have been a, a huge upset in some country, those are the ones that stick to me more. But great question. Great question. All right, Coach, let's transition now to the current NBA and what's going on in the bubble in Orlando. First off, I want to know, where were you when the NBA season was suspended back in March? I feel like that's just going to be a moment in history that we're all going to be like, we remember where we were when type of thing. Yep. Well, I reside right here in Salt Lake City, and if you can remember, it was March 11th, and Rudy Gobert tested positive for the covid uh, for for the COVID virus, and then they found out the next morning that Donovan Mitchell also, uh, you know, had the the COVID. So to basically be at ground zero where it all began and what you know shut down the league and Rudy Gobert gets a lot of backlash for that, and then Adam Silver shut down the league, and then the other professional sports leagues followed. A lot of people say Rudy Gobert is to blame, but you know what? Flip that, and he may have saved millions of lives. Because sure. them shutting down 
may have you know kept that virus from spreading even quicker because if you look on their schedule they made an east coast trip right before that before they came home and was playing in oklahoma city before they closed down the league so for me i was actually at home i actually got back and i was actually doing a a radio thing and the game was postponed one of my friends is a broadcaster thorough bailey who used to play for the uh play for the jazz and is now on the broadcast team and so when things kind of got shut down it was like ooh wee this is getting serious and so then if you notice there was that domino effect so that's where i was that's what happened and here we are four months later and i think we have to we have to give credit to adam silver to me i know i'm biased and i'm an nba guy but he is by far head and shoulders above any other commissioner in the sports sports arena today because they created that bubble he 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 did a great job he showed his intelligence by listening to those who had science and who had data and then surrounded himself by people who could give them the knowledge so they could create this bubble that they have now in orlando and then twice they've tested 343 players and there were zero positive cases outstanding job to the nba to set the blueprint to show these other you know, commissioners and these other leagues want to do, because right now, if they stick with it and don't waver right now, it's working. So congratulations, great job. And I am thrilled because I do believe that we in America and throughout the world, sports is so woven into our culture that it is a distraction and it is a respite when there's usually an emergency or a national disaster and we're going through a global pandemic and we're going through social injustices and we're going through a unique time politically as well, which we won't go into. But I am glad that for a little while we can watch NBA games and it is a great entertainment piece and a distraction to get our minds off of you know, some of the horrible things that are going on globally. So uh, when Adam Silver initially announced that they were going to go to the bubble system, were you, uh, how'd you feel about the bubble versus maybe say empty stadiums? You know what? I, I was like everybody. And just like today, I still feel there's more questions than answers uh, with going into this, with testing and everything. So, you know, an answer that I can give you today is going to be an amoeba and is going to change within 24 hours. (laughs) And I think we have to consider to be patient and be open-minded and, you know, have that open-minded thought process and creative thinking as Adam Silver did to create this bubble. I thought the idea sound great. I was just curious how it would be executed and how they would follow up. And I think the follow-up has been the great thing because you'd see the technology that they're using as far as the, the digital pagers in their pocket that lets them know if they're within six feet of each other. I mean, I know it's, it was kind of a joke for a few days, the snitch line, because I still think the snitch line is going to come into effect as it gets more competitive. But yet they also have the wristbands and the, the apps on their phones that lets them know if there's a spike in fever so they can go get tested right away. So I think all those preventative measures that they have and to play in a bubble where there are no fans, and yet you still have the virtual sounds and feel of the fans, and the fans can still be there uh, that you see on the screens, I think is – I think is very creative. I think it's problem solving. And again, kudos to Adam Silver, the Disney companies. And, uh, you know, I know, yes, I get the business of it. There was $900 million of TV revenue on the table. And if they didn't do it, small 
small market franchises would probably not be able to function as we're seeing now with college football and these, these leagues saying, you know, we're not going to play because now they're finding out, oh, well, COVID, COVID is also showing signs of enlarged hearts. And, you know, they don't want that liability to be sued if they got guys getting ready to go play in the NFL and they can't have a career. So can you put a price on a young man's life and future and career? So, yeah, there's still a lot of questions, but I, I like what they've done. I applaud it. And that's not hindsight being 2020. That's saying, look at the success that they're having. Uh, you see the the problems that the you know Major League Baseball is having. Oh yeah. And t- clubs being totally decimated. You're seeing 21 games already lost, 23 games lost, and that's probably even growing as we speak. But hey, NBA, great job. I'm a fan of it. I have many friends still in it, and it's great to be so connected to it that you know I, I get to hear firsthand through my friends, what it's like in that bubble atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. And I, I think just to kind of give you a perspective of where us on the TSK show were coming from at the time when sports was all coming back was we were we were basically against sports coming back because we wanted to we wanted to basically preserve next year's calendar. And there were just way too many uncertain variables like you were talking about that we just didn't know the answer to. But now that it's here, we've accepted it. We're happy about it. We're cautiously optimistic. And and like you said, all hats off to the NBA and Adam Silver and everybody down in Orlando for taking it seriously. I know there was a couple mishaps here and there, but uh, for the most part, everyone's taking it seriously. And there are zero cases in the bubble. We, we got the third round of testing back earlier today. So that's obviously great news. But on the court, there was there was a lot of talk about rust being a factor after a four-month layoff. And while it was visible in a few games, I'd say the overall majority of these games have been exciting. And you can tell which players took the layoff seriously and who did not. So what have been your overall impressions of the on-court play in the bubble? You know what? I, I've been pleasantly surprised. Like same, you, same. I knew everybody's health and safety was first and foremost. And if they could keep players healthy and safe and, you know, yes, I understand the business of it, but yet, you know, these NBA athletes are like Maseratis. They can go from zero to 200 quickly, but yet if they do that too quickly as a coach, I was a little bit concerned because uh, even in individual workouts and in small group settings or one-on-one settings or in individual workouts at home, you cannot emulate or simulate game speed and game situation because the physical pounding, the pace, uh, you know, stop and starting against, you know, great level athletes. So I'm not surprised the defense has been a little bit lacking because it seems like the guys are saving their legs more for the offensive end. It's like, okay, we're just going to outscore you. But then I look at the teams who won the break and I, and I give the Clippers an example of this because you look at their team who could have success in a neutral site because you're not going to have, home games and there's not going to be travel you look at their bench you look at their depth you look at their ability to play defense i think they're a team that is going to have to be reckoned with because they have that bench depth because they have that defense and everybody buys into it and they can have different rotations and if you look at that very first game on opening night on the 30th when you had the the clippers and the lakers and and if you look at it the clippers were missing 38 points from their bench and they still competed with a lebron james and a lakers who were the number one team but yet you know what lebron had to play 
played 36 minutes in that game. AD played 34 minutes in that game. And I think their competitive juices got running so much that they, like a racehorse, you couldn't pull the reins back on them. But yet then I was curious to see, okay, how is their game two and game three going to be? Can they keep up that place after a four-month break? And you saw that the level dropped a little bit. But defensively, Yes, defensively, it's dropped down a little bit. And again, from a coach's lens and a coach's perspective, um, none of those things are surprises to me. And some of the teams who are having success right now, those are not surprises to me either. Because a couple weeks ago when I was doing radio shows and national TV shows, I talked about the same things that we're seeing now that's coming to fruition because of the play. And as Doc Rivers said, who will win the break? Who will take care of themselves the best? Who, which team players and leaders will hold their teammates accountable to keep ready and keep focused and have that championship mindset that we're seeing the top teams kind of, you know, rise to the top right now. Yeah, look at, I mean, look at, look at Kuzma on the Lakers and what he's been doing in the bubble. Kuz control, baby. He's right there <laughs> at the University of Utah. And uh, him hitting that big shot in rhythm, I think that's big. And I think, I think the top teams are being smart by resting you know, the stars and trying to gain confidence and experience for their role players, because those are the guys that are going to have to step up, you know, when foul trouble starts coming in and when fatigue comes in and when little nagging injuries come in in and, a, you know, in a seven game series. So the teams who are resting their players and are getting confidence for those role players, uh, I, I, I can see it, you know, a work in play. Now it may not be what the fans want to see, but I know strategically that's what they're doing by resting some of their better players. So that way, you know, they can have the chemistry, they can galvanize, they can, you know, come together and peak when the time is right. Yeah, totally. I think the fact that Vogel drew the play up for Kuzma in, in general, like, LeBron and AD, they don't need that confidence boost. They both know they're top five players in the league. Kuz, he needs that confidence boost. That's exactly right, because now LeBron James, being a facilitator that he is, now that he's solid and can have confidence in him, he's going to, you know, he'll give up that pass and let Kuz knock that thing down, which will spread the floor, which will allow him to penetrate and use his body more as his physical skills are slowly descending. But LeBron is so high basketball IQ that we can't just take his greatness for granted because you know what, he will be truly missed, uh, you know, once he retires. And I'm curious who he'll pass the torch on and who will be the face of the league in the coming years. Well, I think one of the candidates is the, is the guy I wanted to bring up, uh, Dame Dalla, uh, Damian Lillard. Um, And I just had a kind of a coaching question uh what in your opinion you know if you were his coach would you have a hot hand like he has and you know he's been fueled by you know being on the outside looking in uh he's still by you know people heckling him on the crowd and talking um do you just take your game plan you crumple it up and you throw it in the garbage can you say dame take us home or you know do you stay kind of stick to the script um, you know, take it how it comes. You know, how do you how do you well, how do you coach a player that's on a heater like that? You know what? You you get the heck out of his way. You shut up and you let a great player make you look like a great coach. That's what you do because that young man went to went down there on a mission and told the team, guys, I didn't come down here to just play. I came down here to get into the playoffs and win. And I told people three weeks ago. Watch out for the Trailblazers when Nurchich was coming back and then also Zach Collins was coming back because you already had a phenomenal backcourt in he and CJ. And now that 
he is on fire like he's on fire, basketball is a game of rhythm. And if you notice the rhythm that he's into, don't slow down or impede that rhythm. Let that rhythm play itself out because he is carrying that team and they are following his lead. And I'm telling you something, them getting into that number eight spot, that's got to make the Lakers a little bit nervous because with their size, they can rotate on AD and make him work a little harder, and they can put different people on a LeBron James, and it's going to be an interesting series going into the playoffs because I'm going to tell you what, that team is for real, and they're peaking at the right time, and they're following Dame Dollar's lead. He played right here at Weber State up the road from us, and that young man has a chip on his shoulder, and he plays with that old-school mentality of competing, and you know what? They're all following him, and I, as a coach, out, out, just, um, just love it. I love it. Yeah, he's he's got to be my – I got to take him as my bubble MVP, even though Devin Booker has played outstanding and the Suns have been great. Uh, Dan's yep, that's... play right now is just uh, jaw-dropping. Man, 51 and followed up with a 61, and for him to continue and be consistent at that pace, he's on a roll, fellas. So, you know what? You got to let him stay on that roll. Uh, he's in great shape mentally, physically, spiritually, and he's just going. So, you know what? Get the heck out of his way, man, because it's lead, follow, or get out of the way. You know what? Go. Play. Let's do this. So they're on a mission. Coach, I wanted I wanted to ask you, with without having fans at these games, I wanted to ask how important the bench is in these games. And I'm not talking about, like, bench players coming in and playing on the court. I'm talking about, like, players sitting on the bench and being engaged in the game. I played high school basketball. I didn't get past high school basketball I didn't get that much playing time but my senior year we were 28 and 4 we won the divisional championship all of that we made it to the second round of state playoffs but I always made sure to be engaged in the games when I was on the bench and be an active participant in the game to try and help my team because that was a part of my role on the team I love it, man. I am talking to a baller. I can hear you. Uh, and, and I love the question because I think you already know the answer to the question. With no fans, the the motivation has got to come from within, within your players and within your team and within your core. So you have to motivate. You have to inspire. You have to lead and guide and direct your team by yourself. So it's like who's going to be the captain of the ship? You can't you can't wait for the energy of the fans to ignite you and motivate you. you that's got to come from within. So that's why a Patrick Beverly is so important for a Clippers team. That's why a LeBron James is so important for his team. That's why a Dame Dollar is so important for his team. That's why a Devin Booker is so important for his team because they – you know, not only are they vocal leaders, they also lead by action. And them leading by action inspires and inflicts a will on their teammates. And just like, you know what? Get on my level. And if you're not on my level, I don't have time for you. So that it, it has to come from within. So you know that that team being engaged on that bench is important to keep pushing and supporting your team because there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be trials and tribulations. But the team that can stay galvanized and cannot point fingers at each other and you know continue to stay a unit and stay a family, they're the team that's going to have the most success. And that's going to come from the engagement from your bench, from your coaches, but more importantly, it's not the ones that are coach-led, but it's the, the teams that are player-led and player uh, that holds each other's accountable. That's why Michael Jordan was so good for a number of years because he was the guy who led the team. It wasn't Phil Jackson. It was Michael Jordan saying, guys, 
this is what it's going to take to win. And so those teams with superstar players, if they can't lead consistently every night and, and bring it, you got to find it from somewhere, and it's got to come from those engaged bench players. So I, I can appreciate you asking that question, Big Baller. So, uh, you know, typically, in, in, you know, in a normal NBA playoffs, they'll have these role players, which we talked about, they kind of just play big in the home games, uh, and they help, you know, with home court advantage where – now it's going to be more of a tournament format, you know, no no real home court advantage really. Are we going to see role players step up and win games, or is it going to be veteran star players basically take over the show? It's a great question because this is a this is a grown man's AAU tournament. Like you said, it's a neutral court, and the role players are going to play a vital role in a team's success. Um, you know, in, within a within a seven game series, those role players are going to have to pick up the pieces. Some nights, where some nights where shots just don't fall, what do you bring to that team? What asset are you bringing? What skill set are you bringing? Are you going to be an energy guy? Are you going to be a motor guy? Are you going to be a defensive guy? Are you going to be a rebounder? Are you going to be the glue? So yes, those role players are going to be vital in the depth. Of, and how deep you can go into your rotation, into your bench, is also going to be vital. So, uh, again, it, it's going to be fun to watch uh, play out. And uh, there's so many storylines that are already building up. And to me, this is the best reality TV show that you could ever watch. And for me, a guy who sees it through a coach's lens, who's been on that bench and who has competed at the highest levels, it's fun for me to watch it all come out because, yes, I'm a fan, but I'm also that guy that, you know, I need to play chess when everybody else is playing checkers. I flip on the coach's lens, and I'm seeing the game adjustments that are being made. I'm seeing the special situation, sideline out-of-bounds plays. I'm seeing the defensive adjustments that are being made. I'm seeing the different rotations and ways that they're trying to get players out of their comfort zone and forcing them to get shots. Uh, on a spot on the court where they're not as comfortable to get, you know, so they're not comfortable getting to their spots. So for me, those are all the things that I look at. And for me, it's so much fun fellas, because it's getting better and better as it goes along as I knew it would. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it makes teams like the Raptors and your boy, Nick nurse, you know, I think it makes them more of a threat than they typically would be because of all those factors of, you know, the coaching, the role players, the depth, um, it's gonna it's gonna be real interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, I, I feel like he should have been a candidate for coach of the year because everybody ruled the Raptors out as soon as Kawhi left and went to the Clippers. And uh, you know he has that team bought in. He has them believing. Uh, the guys that have sit there and rode that way with him last year to a ring, it's now a part of their DNA, and that DNA carries over. Championship experience is huge, and once you've had had it it carries over and that it becomes a culture of itself. So yes, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a team to reckon with because, you know, they've played extremely well. And again, it, it, the leadership, you know, performance reflects leadership and leadership comes from your coach and from your star players. And, you know, you look at a Kyle Lowry who, who never gets enough credit for, you know, him being a great point guard. Pascal Siakam could be most improved player again, because they gave him the keys, to the franchise. And then you got a Gasol, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, just great players who have stepped up and, and Van Fleet, who no one thought, you know, was good enough to even play. And, again, they have bought in, and they're going to compete, man. It's going to be fun. No, yeah, I can't, I, I, I can't wait. You're right. I mean, a reality TV show is actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good comparison. It, it's, uh, it's must watch. 
There you go. There you go. Coach, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I got one last question for you. Uh, we're a show that's based in Los Angeles. You're obviously in Salt Lake City. Tyler and I are big Laker fans. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. Tyler, he was a Sonics fan growing up, obviously, but when they moved and he moved down to L.A., he's adopted the Lakers. Who do you think ultimately comes out of the West, and who do you think they face in the East in the NBA Finals? You know what? The, the Lakers have put themselves in a situation where, you know, they've got that number one seed. Now, there's not really a true home court advantage because of this uh, neutral site that they're playing in. But whenever you've got a LeBron James on your team and he's surrounded himself with the pieces that he's comfortable with, uh, with an AD who to me is, you know, a top six player in the league this year. You've got Kyle Kuzma doing a great job. Frank Bogle doesn't get enough credit because they are LeBron James led. Um, you know, they're, they're a good team. They've got good pieces. They've, you know, they've, they've brought in players that LeBron is comfortable with and knows how they play and knows and accepted their role. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be right there. So, you know, you being in an NBA city, just like I am, I can understand that. But I think a thing and a little bit of an edge that you can give to the Lakers is, you know what, they're playing in the memory and they have not forgotten that number eight and number 24 spirit is with them. And they want to do it for a Kobe Bryant. And again, may his soul rest in peace. Um, I, I think that's an advantage to them. Then when you go to the Clippers, I think they're going to be right there in that NBA finals with or not the NBA Finals, but the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. Now, I think that's going to be a big test because let's see how the Lakers do to get to and how much energy that LeBron James has to expend to get to the Western Conference Finals because they're going to have a Clipper team that is well coached. And again, I've already talked about that bench depth that they have because think about it. You've got two guys on that Clipper bench who could be sixth man of the year. Lou Williams, who is always right there, who could, could, could be it. And then you've also got Montrez that if a big man gets in foul trouble, now you bring in uh, incredible defense, incredible high motor, uh, you know, good defender, and, and can also score you know, in the paint. So um, I think that bench depth is going to be a hurdle that's going to have to, you know, they're going to have to adjust. Um, again, how fresh will LeBron James be getting into that Western Conference final? And then again, I think you've already talked about the East. I mean, look at Giannis. I, I think Giannis is your MVP player this year. Uh, he's a candidate for, you know, defensive player of the year. And when you've carried your team to be uh, the, the best record in the league, I think that's where your consideration goes. Uh, Coach Bud is co-coach uh, of the year, so he's going to have them ready. But then again, you, you look at that young-legged, Boston Celtics team and we already talked about the Raptors and let's you know who, who knows what the heat's going to do who knows is the 76ers going to gel and are they going to try to figure out how that chemistry is going to work with Ben Simmons who who has hurt the knee which is going to set them back a little bit and let, let's find out what they do but I, I feel like it's going to be I hate to say this and I want to break your heart <laughs> but I feel like it could probably be Clippers and Bucks in the finals it's okay I think uh I'll, I'll give you a pass on on the Clippers Bucks, but I think uh, I said it when we did our our NBA bubble preview show back when we found out the the bubble was going to come back. I said that the basketball gods were going to reward us for how crappy of a year 2020 was going to be, and my prediction was actually Lakers Celtics. Ooh, but you know what? I could see that happening because again, the ghost of Kobe being right there on their shoulder that may be enough to pull them over the edge because you know what? I've seen funnier bounces in the NBA and knowing that Mamba mentality is within that culture. Uh, it's going to be sexy to watch. Totally. 
All right, real quick before we wrap it up, I uh, wanted to do a fun little game that we do with all of our guests. But first, this segment of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Jay Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539. Or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. So, all right, Coach. Uh, I have a running list of social media hypotheticals that I've just compiled over the last few months. And I, I got three of them here for you that, that we can do real quick before we let you go. The first one comes to us from at Hilltop NBA. Now, I want you to rank the these four players all in their prime. And they're, they're four-point guards. So we'll do a round robin. First, you'll go, Coach, then Tyler, and then me. So... Coach, I want you to rank these four all in their prime. Number one, Jason Kidd. Two, Gary Payton. Three, Chris Paul. And four, Allen Iverson. Oh, great question. Um, AI was very solid. But you know what? Uh, I'd have to go with so close between he and Chris Paul because Chris Paul being the player you know, representative right now for the NBA Players Association and what he's done with that Oklahoma City team that everybody else also wrote off, and they thought that was just going to be a stepping stone for him. Um, you know what? Because of longevity, I'm going to go Chris Paul one. I'm going to go uh, Allen Iverson two. I'm going to go see the other two was, what was it, Chris Paul and Jason Will? I'm sorry. It was Jason it was, Kidd, uh, Gary Payton, Chris Paul, and Allen Iverson. So you got CP3, okay, so, AI. And then let, let's go uh, – Wait, give me those last two again. Jason Kidd and Gary Payton. Ooh, I'm going Gary Payton and then Jason Kidd. All right, Tyler, rank those four for me. Dave, there's a this, this is a hard one. There's a lot of heart in this one. Uh, <laughs> I got I got to go with my guy AI at first, and then Jason Kidd to me is is one of the greatest. Uh, I have that number two, CP3 at three, and then I hate to do it, but I got to put Gary Payton at four. Yeah, for me, I'm Ooh, going the 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 glove. Yeah, the glove, the man. Glove, man. Uh, for me, I'm going uh, Chris Paul at the one. Chris Paul or Chris Paul one, AI two, Jason Kidd three, Gary Payton four. Coach, the next one I got for you comes to us from at Ryan Mogjosh. He's the host of the Four Seasons podcast. If the NBA added two expansion teams, what city should they be in? Oh, I like it. I think you got to go Seattle right away, and I know that makes our boy happy. <laughs> Seattle deserves a franchise that was ripped out underneath them, and they moved them to Oklahoma City. I would go uh, right away Seattle, and then I feel like because the NBA Summer League has been so successful down in Las Vegas, and you got the hockey and you got football down there, I think that is the potential breeding ground for the next NBA franchise. So I'm going to go Seattle, and I'm going to go Las Vegas. Tyler? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to get Seattle their team back. I, I definitely think Seattle's team was taken. It wasn't, you know, like a struggling franchise by any means. Uh, and then the other one I, I think that's good that uh, uh, doesn't get a ton of press is Louisville, Kentucky. I think they got a good just basketball culture over there. Uh, so that would be another good spot outside of Vegas and Seattle. Okay. Coach, I, I agree with you. I had Seattle and Vegas written down, and basically for me, you would just move the Grizzlies and the Pelicans to the Eastern Conference, and then you have Seattle and Vegas in the West. Uh, another city that I know doesn't get brought up is Kansas City, 
Uh, I think that would be cool to see a Kansas City NBA team. I like it. I like it. No arguments from me. All right, the last one before we let you go. In 1992, there was a slam dunk contest featuring non-NBA pro athletes like Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, Chris Carter, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, Michael, uh, Mike Conley Sr., and Tim Brown. Uh, I want you to name three non-NBA pro athletes you would want to see in a slam dunk contest. That Of those that you did not list? Yeah, of those that I did not list. Oh, so any athlete, huh? They can be current or current or former. Doesn't matter. Any any time period. Oh, any time period. Mm. You know, I mean, I know Vince Carter just stepped out and retired. Well, non, non-NBA pro athletes. Oh, non-NBA play. I'm sorry. I misunderstood your question. Yeah, okay. non-NBA so pro go. athletes. Okay, so, man, you, you think about some of these great baseball players and some of these outstanding athletes that are football players – that would be pretty fun. Uh, ooh. I, I, okay, let's just go for comedy person. <laughs> let's go Kevin Hart because he's five foot nothing and so funny that you know he's going to miss every time, but well, he's going to be entertaining. <laughs> we we got to go pro athlete. So, oh, like for me, darn. see, I was trying to be funny. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I, I like the I like the thought, but like I'm thinking, yeah. like I would love to see like Odell Beckham Jr. in a slam dunk contest against like. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and a Michael Thomas. Uh, I'm trying to think of a baseball yeah. player to throw yeah. in there. You got to throw in like Usain Bolt. Love to see him. Yeah. I'd love to see like Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, they got that clip of people trying to jump up and, uh, you know, hit the soccer ball uh, at the height he did. Um, and then I've always heard of Julio Jones being a legendary high school basketball player, but. I think the number one guy I want to see because of the viral video is I want to see the little short guy, Cole Beasley, uh, at 5'8", go and see and show us what you've got in, in the bag. Guys, that's good stuff right there, man. Okay, I'll even go a little more current. Uh, since he's making half a billion dollars, let's put Patrick Mahomes in there and find out how athletic he is. I love and, it. Uh, can, 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 he, can he get up to 10 feet and can he do something special? And then how about someone who's going to be always entertaining? Can Ron Gronkowski get up there and, and do a little something yeah. and show us something? Because you know he's going, he's going to sit there and He's gonna he's gonna chug a beer and and slam the beer as soon as he gets done dunking. <laughs> so so let's go Gronkowski. Let's go uh, <laughs> let's go Patrick Mahomes and let's go uh, just one more for entertainment purposes. Uh, I, I can't. You know what? I I am. I, I can't pull a third. I don't know why, but I'm gonna stick with Kevin Hart because he's so darn funny. I wish I would just give me an exemption on that one because that's, that's totally be fine. Because he, he's gonna make jokes <laughs> and 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 talk trash to everybody as they're going up the dunk, and they're gonna be talking about how Gronkowski's so fat, and he's gonna tell him he's gonna tell uh, Mahomes that you know, why don't you try it left-handed since your pass is good with your left. Oh, it'd be entertaining. <laughs> that's well, awesome. You got Kevin. I think what you do, you get Kevin Hart out there attempting on the ten-foot rim, then you lower the rim down to. You lower the rim down to 18, you let the rock go at it. <laughs> there you go. I See, there you go, fellas. I like it. I like it. All right, Coach, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we, we usually end the show with a shout-out. Do you have any shout-outs you wanted to, to give out? How do people get in touch with you? How do people find your show? Let, let people know how to find you. 
I appreciate that, fellas. Uh, they can watch, I do my show's Facebook live stream. So uh, for me, uh, just get on Facebook and look up the Coach Scott Field Show. We have grown it organically. We have over 5,000 followers, which has been kind of fun because we just kind of picked up the frequency um, over the uh, COVID. And then we just started a YouTube page. Uh, we're picking up subscribers. You can subscribe for free at the Coach Scott Field Show. Instagram is just at Coach Scott Fields, and at Twitter it's Scott underscore Fields. So holler at your boy. I always enjoy interacting with fans, and I usually put little nuggets out during the week also uh, with content to just kind of stimulate fans and and have that interaction because I enjoy that connectivity with the fans. So um, look forward to hearing from people. But, man, it's been a lot of fun chopping it up with you. And if I was going to give a shout-out, to my lovely wife and my family. And I got to go walk into a gym and watch my son play in a finals right now uh, at a pro-am here at the, uh, here in Salt Lake city. So I love I'm it. eager to see him go out there and do his thing. Cause he just signed his third contract to go play over in Georgia. So wow. shout out to them. I love them. I, they're, they're my support. They're my rock and they're my everything. So to all my family and friends out there, peace, love, stay healthy, be blessed. All right, Tyler, you got a shout out before we get out of here. Yeah, I mean, shout out to you, Coach, for coming on tonight. It was it was great. Great having you on and talking, uh, talking some hoops with you. Appreciate you, team. Much love, brother. All right. Shout out to Coach Scott Fields for joining us on the TSK Show. Coach, thank you so much for jumping on tonight. It was a pleasure getting to hear about your journey, and it was a fun conversation. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you, man. And uh, get out there and support our guys there uh, with Diamond Estate. So I appreciate them supporting you. And if at any time you need me to come back, you holler at me and we'll come back and talk the NBA playoffs if you want to. And we can break it down and uh, kind of give you like that Hubie Brown insight if you want to. But it's, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. And shout out to all your followers as well. Uh, keep supporting these guys because they're they're coming with real content here. Great job, guys. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it, and we'll definitely take you up on that uh, that playoffs offer. So, all right, don't forget this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. Support us. Support a company that makes probably the best coffee ever and is trying to help save the beaches just by entering promo code TSK Show at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show. Promo code TSK Show for fifteen percent off your purchase at CampusPointCoffee.com. With that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. Sorry, Jacob, you couldn't be here. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace. TSK, fellas, keep doing it, baby.